right, we're here. We're here. You're dealing here with the real one, the real McCoy, aka the Honest Man, and this is the Pews Podcast. Here to deliver uh, a history lesson today. We uh, it's Black History Month. Yeah. Sweet Lord, <laughs> sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. <laughs> Yeah, you know me and my little singing, my shower singing. But um, yeah, we're gonna discuss some Black History today. Every Wednesday, I'm a it's Black History Month. Every Wednesday, I will give you in t- in details of like specific people that you got swept under the rug that you may not know about that was prolific in the world of Black America. Uh, so yeah. Well, before we go into that though, I would like to touch on uh the Rihanna situation. Reason why it's a, I think it's a good transition. Basically, all right, Rihanna, congratulations to Riri. Of course, you know, Caribbean all the way, you know, Jamaica, big up, you know, Barbados, big up on herself. So, big up to her and Ace Rocky for the love they found. I'm glad she, because, you know, got to set that legacy, that bloodline. But the problem I have with it is, like, the viral thing, right? You know the thing about black people that gets me upset with y'all? Period. It is what it is. Is that we have a tendency to... We like to just jump on the bandwagon. Let's just be real. We like to jump on the bandwagon. You know? Oh, sorry. Fix my headphones there. Yeah, we like to jump on the bandwagon. You know? We, we, we quick to make shit go viral and just post, repost, post shit just to say we a part of something. And it gets me upset sometimes because what is the logic of it? What do you get from it? Just But that's the culture with black America. This is what I say with the brainwash, the inferior complex. We just want to be around. We want to be in the mix. We, we, we on groupie time. And I'm saying it to say that everybody, I, I see everybody posting Rihanna and, uh, you know, congratulations, all and big, you know, hard eyes and all. And it's like, fuck out of here. You you do, you post and you, you post and repost and talk about Rihanna and her, 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 her blessings. You don't even have blessings for yourself. You don't even post your people's blessings, dog. Your man just, your man just started a little business, started a hustle your girlfriend just started her little eyelash company or she probably bought a house she probably traveled you know she probably traveled overseas or went to college got accepted to school you're not posting that though we quit the post celebrity stuff because it's trending i just don't want to be left out because everybody else posting i'm a poster but you don't want to post your man that you see every day you'll post somebody that you never see you're never going to see and most fucking most likely never supported now you probably even buy not one album. You bootlegged it. Go on YouTube. Never see, never went to one concert. That's the problem, dog. And it, it, it irks me because like we need to switch that. Look out for your own. Stay in house. Keep the money in house. Get your people around you. Big them up. So when they go, when they get up to that level, they can big you up and you can and, and push you along and, and and carry you along. That's the problem. It's the same thing we did with um, the papa. I was away. When I was away, whatever, you know, doing my little time on my vacation, and I see the Popeye sandwich thing and see how people just posting, posting. Think about that, though. 20, they said it. Shade Room said it. $25 million worth of advertisement off of the black viral marketing that we gave them. That's how much Popeye's, that, that's how much marketing we gave them. $25 million worth of advertising. And how much do we get back from that? Nothing. No discount on the sandwich. No discount 
no no package deals for the homeless for the for the ones that's in, on Section Eight, the poverty ones that's in the hood. Popeyes didn't come through with a van with a whole bunch of sandwiches and biscuits. They didn't. We didn't benefit from it. They did. No discount. But guess what? But but you know, it, it just it just cracks me up. Like when we do things, we do it. What is what are we doing it for? What are we doing it for? Just to be cool. That's that that's that that symbols of freedom I was telling you about. The token. We just want to be cool. We want to just be in the mix. We don't want to be left out, McCoy. Honest man, please don't just look. It's the lifestyle. You know how it is. It's trending. We just want to go viral. We just want to be a part of that. We want to hashtag so maybe they can click on our story. But I'm saying that because that's basically the transition I'm going into about history. How can I transition it to? Well, history, I tell them all the time, it's like a clock. You use history to tell time. And that's why I take history so seriously. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, and that's what we're going to talk about it today. We're going to go into certain particular things because a lot of us, people won't admit to this. The average person won't admit to this, but we all psychologically, mentally, we all go through issues, but we all kind of like lost. It, it takes a it takes a specific person, exception to actually find themselves. You're not hearing me. Let me say that again. It takes, it's an exception to the rules. It's not the norm. It's one, it's one out the blue. It's a couple out of the dozen that actually can say that they find themselves say, you know what? I know who I really am. I know my purpose. I know what I stand for. I know what I'm about. It's, it, it, it's not that many. The act, like people might say, no, I feel my, I know, no, you don't. You're lost. A lot of the average person is lost. They don't know what's going on. That's why we tend to do the things we do. We join gangs because we lost. We don't have no direction. So we, we have to accommodate for that. So we join organization. There's nothing wrong with that too, join organizations because what? You're finding yourself. You're finding your purpose. So you join the organization because that's something that you like, you're passionate about. If it's a nonprofit, working with kids, working with black history, working with a real estate firm, you, we, we all trying to find ourselves. Growing up, that's a key that we don't really do. Our parents are not going to direct us because what? Our parents don't have it like that. Our parents weren't about putting food on the table. Let's be real. Growing up, our parents wasn't really hands-on. I mean, you know, parents good parents. They cook for you and stuff, but they're not teaching us about the future. They're not teaching us. So how many of us fucking got trust funds? We talking about the millennium. I'm talking about my generation. And I probably can talk about the generation X's as well. But millennials, how many of us have a trust fund? How many of our parents gave us a trust fund? How many of our parents, we all went to college. How many of our, well, all my friends did. Well, how many of us, when we went to college, we had a tuition, a trust for tuition to pay our tuition? Come on, dog. Speak, we're speaking facts here. The parents, they did a good job by having the presence. But they didn't really direct us because what? It's not their fault. This is the system, the rat race they're in. They have to work 40 hours. The man probably do two doubles out of the 40 a week. They're barely home like that because they got to put food on the table. When they put food on the table, they're tired. They want to get some sleep. Your mom makes sure you do your homework, wash you up. The name of the game of America is work, bust your ass, live paycheck to paycheck, get your 401k, your retirement, pension, social security, and then retire and live li and live life. During that time, you have your family. You probably can do one vacation a year. You and your, your husband and your wife, you're only you're having sex three times a month or three times, let's say, make it even better, three times every two weeks, which ain't really good. 
but because you have a common purpose. You have to take care of these kids, set up this family, pay bills, and worry about the everyday struggle, the stress of that. That's that's the black home life. I'm talking about the black community here. That's how we grew up. 80s babies, 70 babies. This is what it is. So I'm saying that to say that this is what this is what, you know, goes on in uh what's the name? In the black community with the history now. So finding yourself. So this is what history does. History is a thing where it's like a it's a it's, it's like a clock. It uses it to tell time. But not only that, you kind it helps you get on the right path to find yourself because you know where you're coming from. Right? What they tell you, in order to know where you're going, you have to know you're coming from. And the only way you're gonna know that is through the history. Who your ancestors was, your great grandfather, your great great grandfather, your, your your culture. I'm Jamaican, you know. My parents are Jamaican. My grandparents are Jamaican. Everybody older than me is Jamaican. I'm the first born American here, but I would grew up under that culture. My psycho- psychology, psychologically, I gravitate being Jamaican. So, I know the history behind. I I can trace back my lineage to Jamaica, at least. It's all go back to Africa. We all know Africa is the the, the root. But I could at least trace the stem of the seed that planted, but the roots I could trace back to Jamaica. That being said, I kind of know it kind of helps me in my direction of where I need to go and what I need to be. And that's how it is. What's your current state of your talents and things of that nature? So that's why I'm saying that history is important. And that's why we're going to go into. Um, listen, that's why we're going to go into um, these details. We're going to quote. We're going to go into the book of the Black Fortunes. I read that book. I have that book. It's a, a good book. Talk about uh, black millionaires um, before during Jim Crow. Yeah, during during segregation, when it's lynchings and uh, poverty, the government uh, systematically trying to manhandle us. We still found a way to overcome and become prolific and do good for our community. And it was more of a loyal base back then. That's the difference between now and then was that we were more powerful back then because we had no other choice but to be. As soon as integration hit and um, no offense to Martin Luther King, the big six and the civil rights movement, that was a bad detrimental time for black people because before that civil rights movement, black people were more powerful. We had our own communities, hotels, bus driving, theaters, cleaning, dry cleaning, uh, restaurants, and we can keep the money within the community. It stayed in the, within the community because we had no other choice. But soon as the um, integration came, it blew our heads off. We paused, uh, and now we were so pressed to integrate because deep inside the inferior complex of our mind, we wanted to be white. We wanted to, we wanted to experience what they experienced because that's who we see on TV. That's who we see li- the mink coats live that beautiful life. So we wanted that life, and we wanted to be them. Long story short, so when integration came. We, we left alone our black communities, the hotels, the bus rides, and said, look, I want to go jump on the white bus. I want to get, like Rosa Parks, I want to get on the back seat. I want to get in the back seats. I want to get on the, the front seats. I'm sorry, the front seats. I want to go into the white feet. I want to get served by white people in the restaurants. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it's unfortunate, though. That's just the inferior complex we have, and hopefully one day I might not be able to live to see it, but we get out of that. So all right, let's go to all right. Let's go to today's monologue, which is uh, we ain't gonna be too long, but we're gonna talk about Black History today. So let's go into the monologue here. Black History. We were wealthy. We know that uh, in the 
1800s, we were in slavery. Uh, that got broken. Emancipation of Proclamation, which was 1863. And uh, 1865 is when we were free. We was free uh, 63, 1863, but officially 1865. That's why you got the Juneteenth, where we were t- the Texas general told the slaves in Texas that you're free. You don't have to no, no longer be here. Because what happened was the slave masters, they knew that it was a, a abolishment of the slavery, the 13th Amendment. But yet, if you know, closed mouth don't get fed. And, uh, you know, what you don't know won't hurt. So a lot of the slaves, they didn't really know. So they stuck on the plantation. And the slave master knew, but he's saying, well, I ain't going to tell y'all. If y'all can't find it for yourselves, then that's y'all business. I'm, I'm here trying to make money, get that free labor as long as I can. So, um... <laughs> That's, that was uh, Juneteenth, and uh, that was 65 when officially we knew, and then we end up, you know, people end up doing their own thing. So we're going to talk about a couple people today within that book of the Black Fortunes. Um, first one, we want a headline, we just want to give a special shout out, was the first black millionaire, hands down, the first black millionaire, which was William Alexander Lederoff, the first, yeah, his first black millionaire, uh... He was of mixed race, a lot, and a lot of these people were of um, mixed race. They had white in them because of, you know, of course, slavery things of being uh, graped. You're not gonna say the real word, but be, I'm sorry, Philly talk, being scraped, getting the, catching that scrape. Um, you know, a lot of them was mixed, uh, mixed breeds because they uh, fathers were white and mothers were black, and they end up getting uh, violated on the plantation or somewhat in the community. But um. Yeah, with uh, William Alexander, he well he, he built he built the he built a fortune in the import export business and became the most prominent figure in California. So and then guess what? This during the time where Mexico owned California. People don't understand another history note. Just put a disclaimer out there. 1846 is when Mexico and U.S. battled. In the battle of in the, the Mexico War, Mexican American War, with uh, the president at the time was Mr. Polk. I remember this. He um, Mexico owned California, New Mexico, Texas, going all the way up to Nevada. Um, yeah, they own all that like western, southwestern part. They own Mexico owned all that. Believe it or not, people don't know that. But in 1846, it was a war that broke out with America. Mr. Polk wanted to broker a deal. They didn't want to do it, so he said, "All right, well, fuck it. You gonna get? You don't want to take the bribe, then you won't give you lead." And um, America ended up winning, and uh, Mexico ended up. That's when they ended up coming with the borders, and Mexico was Mexico, and there you have the United States the way it is with California, New Mexico, Utah, Denver, Colorado, and Texas being what it is. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a little history note. But basically, um, uh, Mr. William Alexander, he had uh. He had a stake in several businesses, including General Store, Lombard Yard, and even the first hotel built in San Francisco. When he died in 1848, remember 1846 when that war happened. So he built all that during the when Mexico. When Mexico ruled the country, ruled uh, California, ruled that turf. His estate was worth 1.4 million dollars in today's time. That's 38 million. But uh, basically, that's when he died and. He was the first millionaire. So, uh, yeah. Now, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, the grit of it. I want to discuss a couple people. We have Mary Ellen Pleasant, which was, uh, she was born free, by the way. She was born in, like, I think, New England. 
this is when the Quakers um, ran that. But she's born in New England, if I'm not mistaken. So everything up north was free. You was a free person. Philadelphia and up. I think Delaware, too. Delaware and up, you were free. You know, if you was born in that, you was considered free. Not to say that you still didn't go through discrimination, racial discrimination, but you were free at least. You was on the plantation. But Miss Pleasant was basically born free in 1814. Uh, um, and, you know, she, uh, she what happened is she, her parents did a good job giving her education and everything, but... She now, what made her the bones of it is uh, she worked for other people in the business um, in a general store owned by a family, a uh, white family. But during the time, you know, the business was doing good, she ended up getting to learn a lot from it. You know, she ended up getting to learn a lot from that business, the convenience store. And she got she got the ins and out of the industry. Eventually, she, uh, with, the gold, with the gold rush in uh, San Francisco... Uh, she would uh, make her way there over to San Francisco during the gold rush, which is what? Y'all don't know that, but the gold rush was 1849. Why do I, Why it's so easy to remember that? Because you look at the San Francisco 49ers, that football team, San Francisco 49ers. The reason why they got the name 49ers is because of the gold rush of 1849. That's why San Francisco got that name, because of the gold rush in 1849. That's why you got San Francisco 49ers because of the gold rush but basically mary pleasant uh she built her fortune by owning like boarding homes laundries and you know that's so crazy she became she learned the commodities she learned stock trading and commodities and was lending money lending money to black people to fund their businesses and buy how buy buy assets and things of that nature probably liabilities as well but that's how she ended up getting her fortune yes and i want to say with her now she was that's why i respect her because with the million she got she gave it back she did her best she had a big beautiful mansion she gave it back to the black people one of the things she funded was john brown with the uh john brown with the war and um the rebellion of west virginia when he went into the, the weaponry place stole all the weapons and wanted to free the black john brown was a white man and but him and his, he had got him and his family because he was tired of the slavery thing he stood up for us and uh he fought him and I, I can go deeper in that as well as history points to that as well which i probably would just cover on like snaps on instagram but because it's just like small parts of it but yeah she funded um jim, the jim brown a rebellion you know with the weaponry going to war she one that gave him the money that to, to, to fund it so he can go make the trip with his family i think 29 i think he gathered up like 29 followers with his family included just to go war with his own people, his own kind, white people, just to, for the liberation of black people. Shit crazy. And it's crazy how he got caught, too. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so she, she she gave back the money, and she definitely was a uh, prolific person funding and giving back to... She even gave... she I think she funded... I think she helped Booker T. Washington, if I'm not mistaken. I think she funded his uh, movement as well. But, um, yeah, basically, that's who she was. So, Mary... Mary Ellen Pleasant, a very uh, successful realtor, stock trader, and uh, businesswoman based out of uh, California, San Francisco. I'm sorry, based out of San Francisco. So, um, yeah. And um, we're going to go further. We're going to go to another one now. Is uh, This one is kind of this one is kind of relevant to, to, to today. It's Hannah Elias. Hannah Elias. Who is Hannah Elias? She was a harlot. She basically was a sugar baby. And that's why it's kind of funny because this is 
relevant till today because we have a lot of sugar babies going around, a lot of sugar daddies simping. We have a lot of uh, sugar babies that, you know, they're attractive and they, they find a get money guy and, you know, the get money guy fund them, buy the Louis Vuitton purses and pocketbooks and shoes and, you know, Gucci this and give them apartments and nice cars. So we have a lot of sugar baby, but the difference is with this one, like I said, she, she was, you know, she was, she was suspect too. Cause she was fucking a white millionaire. She was fucking a white millionaire in New York. And, uh, and she was basically half, she's like a mulatto. She was, she was like whitish look. She like blue veinish. Like she was light skin is light skin. Like she can go for white. She literally, well, Hannah, um, Elias, she'll tell you straight up that she literally, when she was living when, uh, the house, the penthouse that her, uh, sugar daddy put her in for her, when she walked out, she had to literally decorate herself as a white woman and probably put a little makeup on and just, you know, a little tweak into her skin, which ain't had to do much. Just to look white, because at that time you would get, you know, you wouldn't get lynched or anything, but at the same time you would get like people rioting outside your house and like vandalizing your house and things of that nature. So she had to literally for her to go outside. It was a point where she couldn't even go outside. She had to stay in the house. She was like caged in animal, caged in the royalty. So she basically designed her mansion like Cleopatra, like an African type, because she wanted to be like Cleopatra. Because remember, Cleopatra unfortunately was somewhat of a sellout because she had you know, create an alliance with Julius Caesar. I think she was fucking Julius Caesar, if I'm mistaken. So she basically designed her, uh, penthouse as, a, uh, <clears throat> as like Cleopatra, like an African queen theme type, but she, oh, cause she always in the house. She couldn't leave out because her, her sugar daddy didn't want to take chances. Of course, being exposed cause she, he had a wife, a white wife and it's just the embarrassment of dealing with a black woman. So, so when she did sneak out from time to time, she had to really put like a lot of makeup on and things of that nature. But all good things come to an end, and she end up getting caught. Somebody end up noticing, like, look, that's a black woman right there, and she's living uppity. She's living in Manhattan. She's living with the the best of the best, living good. Who is she? And when they come to find out, they they basically found out that he's having an affair. I forgot the millionaire name, but I you know I don't forgot his black name, but his white name. But yeah, he basically got caught. He was cool. He got off. Of course, he made up. He made up with his wife and everything. But she ended up getting arrested. Believe it or not, she ended up getting arrested and ended up getting exiled out of uh, Manhattan, if I'm not mistaken. And um, she was left with the riches. Cause remember, she was on payroll. So the money that she did accumulate from him, she ended up taking that money and going to Harlem. And this is what makes her significant. Unlike y'all sugar babies of nowadays that waste your money on fucking nut ass eyelashes and bbls and a whole bunch of shit that don't get you back anything and just make you feel good as a person at least i could say with this sugar baby hannah elias she put the money the money that she got from her sugar daddy the wealth she built from her sugar daddy she went back into the black community and gave it back to them and how did she do that now we go into harlem she end up finding herself in harlem after um beating the case got arrested beat the trial which they don't know to try her for, but they and she didn't long story. That's what they said. She ended up getting arrested and beating it. Ended up in Harlem, where she met a real estate developer, John Neal. And he had a vision, and no so crazy that the vision he had ended up becoming well, basically developing Harlem, which ended up becoming what the Harlem Renaissance. Oh shit! Oh my god, the Harlem Renaissance. If y'all don't know the Harlem Renaissance, that was a time of Harlem where. It was the, the big stage. It was the Mecca. 
which which are you know we all know harlem is a, a a place where all the historical people went Mar- malcolm x marcus garvey this is where it was at harlem and harlem renaissance was that you had the jazz clubs you had the club the movie theater all white people was going there just to get a part of have sex with men just get a part of the fa- the, the fun life the nightlife dancing singing the the whole jazz thing the whole just the the, the, the bootleg you know you know just everything the culture that came with the harlem renaissance it was a lot of powerful black people getting rich it was like a community within itself and she was one of the reasons why it got to that point because she helped john neal in that vision by developing the housing building up houses and she ended up owning a whole bunch of real estate in harlem that initially became you know what initially became uh what's the name known as the harlem renaissance so she had big real estate in uh, harlem she helped build it up and ended up becoming the harlem renaissance and she was a part of that she was a part of that development just like any any real estate development nowadays you get a couple people and you start building it up other people will come invest join they start building up around it living around it and it's you know you create a community so she basically gentrified um harlem and then ended up becoming the harlem renaissance so that's how i give her credit that's uh hannah elias the sugar baby you know I mean? pretty she bad as shit too i give her credit she she pretty she, she nice she nice but give her credit. She that's the least she could have did, and um, give her that credit. Another one that I would like to talk about is Anna Malone. She was a uh, she learned chemistry. She uh, with the chemistry that she learned, she ended up was the one that built and became the first nationally known black hair care brand. She was the one, not Madam C J Walker. It was Anna Malone. Anna Malone was the one who recruited Madam C.J. Walker. The difference between the two, that's why I say personality and characteristics is a big thing. Because one had, one was, one had like a privileged mindset where it's like, I'm pretty, I have a good idea, I'm going to let it sell itself. Whereas the other one, which was Madam C.J. Walker, was not that pretty and couldn't use her looks. She had to use the gift of gab. She had to use her mouthpiece, making her what a salesman. She had to go out there on the gridiron, on the streets, the trenches, and sell her thing viral. I mean, sell her thing uh, business to business, person to business, business to person. Go from person to person, network, and sell her product one by one, individual to individual. And that's what made them stand out. Madam C.J. Walker, no secret, she copied them. All she did, she tweaked a couple of ingredients where she won't get sued. But she basically took the ideals Anna Malone taught her because Anna Malone kind of, you know, like any business, you know, you recruit somebody, you bring them in. Yo, look, work for me. This is what I'm selling. But Anna Malone being kind of big headed, like, look, you know, you're going to listen to me. I'm your boss. I'm this. And CJ Walker said, all right, well, that's how you feel, my girl. You know, all right, you're good then. Don't worry yourself, man. We don't want to deal you again. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to deal you. So I'm going to do my own thing, yeah? And that's what she ended up doing. She just took the product and said, fuck it. Now I'm going to tweak it for she can't sue me. Copyright infringement purposes. Now I got my own product now. And now I'm going to go out here and sell it myself. And she took it to another level and created the company and made and, and became more of the, the face of it. And plus she was more flamboyant. The reason why Madam C.J. Walker, I know of her because she was so flamboyant with, uh, with her spending. Whereas Anna Malone was more low-key. But Anna Malone was the one that started the hair product, was the one that conquered that 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 
kind of like had a hold on it and she was the one that made Madam C.J. Walker who she is. So it wouldn't be no Madam C.J. Walker if it wasn't for Anna Malone. And I feel like she deserves that credit. So, um, yeah, she deserves that credit. So, uh, that being said, and then we're going to end off, like I said, we're going to just keep it short. These a couple people. And then we're going to end off with, uh, Robert Reed Church. Uh, Robert Reed Church, he, to me, his story is the best. Um, he was also a mulatto. He was born in slavery. But, of course, he had got privileged because his father was a white man and was a slave owner. He was, I don't know if he was the overseer or the slave owner, but regardless, he had got his privileges. One, because of his color. Because usually back then, if you high in color, you was more of a house Negro. You more kind of was more trusted. But not only that, he had, now he had his father. And he ended up working with his father on the steamships. And um, that's where he kind of got experience. This is during the Civil War as well, too. During the Civil War of 1861 so um he ended up basically working on steamships getting experience learning discipline learning military training so he had that mindset uh what ended up happening now is um in the uh he was the largest landowner in memphis tennessee in tennessee well but memphis being one of the the big cities that he revolutionized because it was during the time of the yellow fever i think that was 1870s is the 1870s 1870s when Memphis had got hit with the yellow fever, a lot of people was dying. A lot of people were uh, vacating their homes, leaving because they couldn't, you know, they couldn't bear with it. So it was an outbreak in the several occasions where a rebuild had to be done in the district. And a lot of them was lost to fires too. A lot of them was burning down buildings, trying to get rid of it. This yellow fever, like mosquitoes and things of that nature. So him being a businessman, he made his first investment in a business to save the city, which was real estate. So, um, yeah, he bought a whole bunch of real estate, bought a whole bunch of businesses. After a time, the real estate appraised, appreciated, and he became, you know, he became a big real estate tycoon. And uh, well, I hate to say tycoon because tycoon, you know, coon meaning a sellout in a way, but a, basically a real estate mogul. And he ended up using that money and investing in businesses for uh, his fellow colleagues one of the things that i respect about him is how he gave back through his philanthropy he helped booker t washington with his movement and a lot of people used to host a lot of uh events black events and a lot of meetings a lot of get-togethers uh black get-togethers including booker t washington was an international uh meeting with, with the negro for on how to enhance businesses they used to use the auditorium right there in memphis tennessee so um <clears throat> yeah so that I give him that credit. That was Robert Reed Church. And he was, to me, I think they had him down. They said that his wealth carried, in this day and time, it was worth about 700 and something million in this day and time. But back then, he was hands down the richest person. He was he was the richest black man between the 19th and early 20th century. And um, I think he ended up dying in, what, 1908, I think? 1908, 1915? Uh, one like basically before 1915 and after 1900s he uh he died but long story short though well all you know so and in the book also talks about uh old old w girly you know that's the one that built black wall street talks about madam cj walker but we are we kind of know about black wall street already um i can maybe make a segment about that but 
because it, it's definitely phenomenal. That's the it was a lot of black towns, uh, the t- uh, black the red light district, the uh, the t- uh, black uh, community of Rosemont, the Re- Harlem Renaissance. Yeah, they had they had uh, Durham, Durham. That was the first black Wall Street in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, yeah, I mean like so you had a lot of black Wall Streets. Um, but yeah, he was known for the one in uh, Oklahoma, a uh, Tesla, Oklahoma. Tusla, Tesla, whatever, Oklahoma. Um, so, but I, I'm not gonna. I'll touch on another time. But these are just ones I just want to touch on for right now. I like to keep my things a little bit slim. Cause I know a lot of y'all don't. Y'all get bored fast. But yeah, this is basically just the history lessons that happen. And um, yeah, I mean Robert Reed Church. I mean first, I think he's the most prolific, the richest black man in history. Um, during those times, I mean, probably might beat him out now as far as Bob Johnson or if it's Michael Jordan or whoever, or Kanye West. <clears throat> but this is what the history was. You know, I'm going to end it off like this. You see how I named all these prolific millionaires back then? The, you know, so crazy, despite all their accomplishments. All of those people, when they died, they all lost their wealth. The government literally took money from Majesty Walker, Anna Malone, from Mary Pleasant, from William Alexander. Even the Black Wall Street, girly, they all lost their wealth after they died. All after they died, you know how like now we can probably have a trust, we can pass it on to the. Back then it wasn't like that. They had laws that they saying, look, we need that. Either they'll do it through gangsterism, go in there and take it from you, and you couldn't go to the law because we had no equal protection of the law, even though that was the Fourteenth Amendment during Reconstruction. But a lot of them, the system, the government, they, they, they wanted the land. So they play stupid or, yeah, they just they just play dumb and never and just say, fuck it, you, you lost. Like, we don't know what you're talking about. And then the families, the children, the ones that inherited, they end up not getting anything. So, But like I said, that was the history lesson for today. Um, I appreciate y'all tuning in. And um, for those that did listen, just support. Stop worrying about going viral with Rayon and, um, and worry about going viral off your own people and your own friends and family all right love peace i'm prosperity yeah look a bit